Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's Words of Wisdom. Years ago, I wrote an article. This is probably in the 1990s. I wrote this article for the Huffington Post about the process that I had gone through to forgive a past landlord when I was living in Atlanta after he sued me and my then partner for damages that he claims we inflicted on the apartment. Now, the allegations were not true, but to avoid small claims court, we settled with them. And the whole thing, this this whole process, just infuriated me. And so his house was on the way to work most mornings. So every time I drove by, I gave him the one-finger salute. You know, you know which one. <laughs> I don't have to show you. And it was so much more satisfying on those mornings when he was out in the yard. <laughs> I would honk and then... <laughs> And then wave. <laughs> That's, the way That's the way to do it, right? I reached a point, though, when I realized in my anger at him wasn't really harming him one bit. <laughs> you know, the only person being hurt was, was me. I was living in this state of rage against this guy. And as the famous old saying goes, holding on to anger is like drinking rat poison and expecting the other person to die. They're so, <laughs> there, there are, these are the ideas that I wrote about in that Huffington Post piece. And, you know, never read the comments, right? I mean, that's what they always tell you. <laughs> Judging from the responses to that article, it's still out there if you want to go. But the, they, they took the comments down, which, which is sad. But judging from the responses, you would have thought that I was asking people to sacrifice puppies and kitties. You know, for, forgiveness. It's like the third rail of spirituality, right? People were having none of it. Forgiveness is for the weak, they told me. They also told me that my experience with my landlord was nothing like what they experienced. You don't know what I went through. It was so much worse. This was unforgivable. They experienced real suffering, not just being mad at a landlord. And I'm sure they did. But holding on to that suffering, rehashing it, keeping it alive, it does nothing but keep it alive. If you bring anything from your past into this present moment, You create a future that is identical to the past. So if you want to step into a different world in this present moment, you've got to leave the past behind, especially the stuff that you have taken and carved into an identity for yourself. Anything you've used to make yourself a victim. The world that we're invited to step into, jubilance, is the realm of the holy, the real world where there is only peace. And the journey to that world begins with that first step of forgiveness and releasing the entire world to say, Oh, yeah. Hear these wise and holy words. From the workbook of A Course in Miracles. The real world is a symbol, like the rest of what perception offers. Yet it stands for what is opposite to what you made. Your world is seen through the eyes of fear and brings the witness of terror to your mind. The real world cannot be perceived except through eyes forgiveness blesses. 
So they see a world where terror is impossible and witnesses to fear cannot be found. The real world holds a counterpart for each unhappy thought reflected in your world, a sure correction for the sights of fear and sounds of battle which your world contains. The real world shows a, di a world seen differently through quiet eyes and with a mind at peace. Nothing but rest is there. What need has such a mind for thoughts of death, attack, and murder? What can it perceive surrounding it but safety, love, and joy? The world it sees arises from a mind at peace within itself. No danger lurks in anything it sees, for it is kind, the on and only kindness does it look upon. The real world is the symbol of that dream of sin and guilt. The real world is the symbol that the dream of sin and guilt is over, and God's son no longer sleeps. His waking eyes perceive the sure reflection of his father's love, the certain promise that he is redeemed. The real world signifies the end of time, for its perception makes time purposeless. And from teacher and author Emmett Fox, when you hold resentment against anyone, you are bound to that person by a cosmic link, a real though mental chain. You are tied by a cosmic tie to the thing you hate. Is that what you wish? By forgiveness, you set yourself free. You save your soul. And because the law of love works alike for one and all, you help save their soul too. Once upon a time, I loved watching murder shows. If I love murder shows, watch, oh yeah, watching all those. Often people wound up dead by betrayal. You know, it's usually husbands killing cheating wives, wives killing cheating husbands, husbands and wives hiring others to kill each other. <laughs> I mean, you know, all the different ways. Then there were tales of people who were snatched up at random and murdered. Others were abducted by those they knew and maybe later killed. Every story was laid out in this painstaking detail and they were all horrific betrayals of how brutal and inhumane we can be to one another. In short, I spent every night glued to stories that filled my mind with fear. The result? I started to perceive a fearful and dangerous world. Anybody could be a potential killer. Anybody could be a potential victim. I got some mace. I mean, this is really true. I got some mace and started carrying it around with me in case I found myself in some dark parking lot or alley with my car too far away and somebody nearby. You know, I was suspicious. I'd check my back seat for unwanted passengers. I would suspiciously eye folks who just, you know, looked at me for way too long or seemed to be up to no good. In short, I was suspicious of everybody. All those killers on the TV shows, man, they look like your neighbor. They look like just everyday people. Some were driven mad with jealousy, others by a compulsion to hurt or kill people. Who knew what lived in the minds of these monsters walking around looking like ordinary folks? Just best to keep your distance. Be suspicious. And this became the real world for me. A world where you never know who might have real knives or guns out for you at any moment. And you know, I don't watch those shows anymore, mainly for that reason. They convinced me that the world was a fearful and unsafe place. So over the past few years, I've been watching other things. <laughs> Instead of putting my attention on all that fear, I've been trying to focus on love. I've devoured A Course in Miracles, listened to other teachers like Michael Singer and Marianne Williamson and Tara Brock, Eckhart Tolle, Pema Chodron. Now, all these great teachers 
I filled my ears and my mind and my heart and my spirit with their teachings about love that encourages me to see the loving Christ in those around me instead of seeing everybody as a potential attacker and myself as a potential victim. And it really has transformed the world I see. In fact, it has helped me to see what A Course in Miracles calls the real world with a capital R and a capital W, which it defines as a symbol like the rest of, the, of what perception offers. The real world, though, is the opposite of what our ego symbolizes for us, which is, of course, that fearful world that brings the witness of terror to your mind, as A Course says. What we think about all the time and how we perceive ourselves and others, that becomes the real world for us. But the good news is, we can choose which world we see. We can choose which world we want to live in. And I've decided in this new year to strive to see the real world, to see the symbols of this world as those of love and peace and joy, to see a world where terror is impossible and peace of mind is my reality. And I'm not donning any rose-colored glasses. I'm not overlooking suffering and injustice. Instead, I'm seeking true perception. I'm trying to see the holy, the innocent sameness of all of us, to perceive that we are all still joined as one in the mind of God, but we're down here in these bodies. We're playing our part. We're doing our role. We're each learning our specialized curriculum. And my ego tells me it's okay to judge others. It's okay to look out into the world with grievance and fear and enhance my fearful feelings of separation. And my ego tells me, as a matter of fact, you've got to defend yourself. There's crazy people out there. I watched the TV shows. I saw them. And then I've got to be on the, on the defense all the time. I've got to protect myself, either physically or mentally. And that's what the ego does. It convinces us that the real world, its real world, is a world of treachery and attack and murder and fear and suffering. But we can change this perception of our world because, as of course reminds us in chapter 20, we made up this world anyway. We made it up with our egos. It's a picture of what you think you are, the Course says, of how you see yourself. We made a merciless and loveless world because we believe We are neither worthy. We are not worthy of either mercy or love. That's the world we made of. So to begin to perceive the real world of love and joy and peace then, we need a miracle. And a miracle is a change in perception, but it is also an extension of love. The love that we are called to extend in this world, it takes the form of forgiveness. So I'm going to touch that spiritual third rail this morning. (laughs) We're going to talk about about forgiveness and how it gives us this entrance we need into that real world, which of course defines as a mind at peace. So before we go on, I just want to invite you, breathe deeply. (laughs) We're going to go on the roller coaster. I want to say up front, willing to forgive even those we perceive as having done great evil and harm in the world or to us personally. It is not an abdication of bodily justice. We still arrest and try and convict and incarcerate those who do any harm to other bodies in the world. What I'm talking about, though, is a higher calling, a higher spiritual walk. If we can forgive just one person perfectly, we would save so much time. 
and bring so much healing to the world. And this is the power of your mind at work, jubilance. We do this work not to excuse the actions of others, not to blame the victims, but to create a world where peace of mind is all anybody wants to achieve. All of us. And the ego hates forgiveness because it believes only the weak forgive. And some of us have suffered through some terrible things in our lives at the hands of others, whether they're friends or strangers or more often than not family members. Forgiveness seems a bridge too far for a lot of us. And it probably felt that way too for a woman named Marietta Yeager Lane. Her youngest child, seven-year-old Susie, was kidnapped in 1973 while the family was camping in Montana. In the immediate aftermath, Marietta says she was, quote, ravaged with hatred and a desire for revenge. She said she was ready to kill the perpetrator with my bare hands and a smile on my face. But Marietta instinctively knew what author Emmett Fox teaches in today's reading. When you hold resentment against anyone, you are bound to that person by a cosmic link, a real though, uh, though mental chain. You're tied by a cosmic thing to the thing you hate. Is that what you wish? By forgiving, you set yourself free. You save your soul. Because the, love, the law of love works alike for one and all, you help save their soul too. And that's exactly what Marietta accomplished when she became willing to forgive, to reach that real world where peace of mind is the only state of being. And she says she knew that holding on to her hatred and anger would consume her. It would finally undo her. She felt justified in hating the man who killed her daughter, and no one, not a soul, would blame her for that. Her faith, though, she says, convinced her to commit to walk toward an attitude of forgiveness, to walk toward an attitude of forgiveness, to just be willing. Instead of murderous thoughts about a murder, Marietta says she chose to send him positive thoughts. Simple things like just hoping the weather was good for him wherever he was or whatever he was doing and hoping, sending wishes out to him that if he were traveling that he wouldn't have any car trouble or any problems. <clears throat> On the one-year anniversary of Susie's disappearance, Marietta received a phone call. On the other end of the line was the man who had taken her daughter. She told him that she had been praying for him and she said she genuinely wanted to reach him. They talked for more than an hour, and even though the police weren't able to trace the call, he gave them enough clues to identify who he was. After, though, investigators failed to find enough evidence to hold David Meyerhofer after they arrested him, they went to Marietta and made a request. Would she go meet with him in person? This is the man who killed her daughter. I mean, can you just put, wrap your mind around that? Go talk to him face to face. And she did. And in that meeting, he confessed to killing Susie. And he confessed to three other murders as well. And not long after they put Meyerhofer back in his cell, he hanged himself. What Marietta did next was reach out to Meyerhofer's mother. And the two women began a tradition of visiting their children's graves together. 
as mothers who had lost their children, Marietta says. The real world, A Course in Miracles says, shows a world seen differently, through quiet eyes and with a mind at peace. Nothing but rest is there. What need has such a mind for thoughts of death, attack, and murder? What can it perceive surrounding it but safety, love, and joy? Who can doubt that Marietta Yeager Lane saw the real world? She saw a place where peace of mind can be found even after the horrific death of your child. Still our ego persists. How can anybody do such a thing? It seems ridiculous. They can do it because they're willing to see the world differently. They are willing to look past the body that seems to be doing evil things to them or others and see the truth about everyone here. We are not our bodies. We are spirits having bodily experiences. And apparently those experiences include harming other people and causing great mental and physical damage. Again, we have systems in this world to punish those actions, but forgiveness is how we reach the peace of mind. That pervades the real world, the realm of our spiritual unity and oneness with everyone we think we see walking around in this physical world. And Marietta's story, it isn't anecdotal. There are plenty of other unbelievable forgiveness stories out there. The Amish community in Pennsylvania that forgave the shooter who killed 10 schoolgirls back in 2007. And then that community went and reached out to the shooter's mother and gave her aid and comfort parents who had lost children. They had that in common. There's the survivors and family members of those killed by white supremacists still in roof at Charleston's Emmanuel African American Methodist Episcopal Church back in 2015. They extended their forgiveness to him. There are amazing stories of forgiveness and reconciliation that have come out of South Africa's Truth and Reconciliation Commission to deal with the violence under apartheid. Some mothers, these are some fantastic stories. I Just go read them. There are some mothers whose sons were murdered who have taken the murderers in as their sons. Astounding. Astounding. Forgiveness isn't going to bring back any dead children. But it does restore relationships. It does allow us to see a different world. To see the real world where peace of mind is attainable because we understand there's really only one of us here. And if that's true, if we're one spirit having disparate bodily experiences, then the only one we're actually forgiving is ourselves for believing that we were separate in the first place. Forgiveness isn't an easy topic. It's not. Just this past week, we've seen horrific violence. These past couple of weeks, mass shootings. What's happening in Memphis? But this jubilance is why we do our work. If we go out into this world with hatred, with fear, with vengeance in our hearts, We just continue to create a world 
full of hatred and fear and vengeance. This is why our spiritual work is not spiritual bypass, because we're doing hard work. The only way you end murder and hatred and fear out there is when you stop it here first. When you can walk out into this world with peace of mind. When you step into the real world, the rest of the world follows you. I've seen it. I've seen it in my own individual world. And I know if it works in the individual world, it works in the corporate world. Remember, as we said last week, either this shit works or it doesn't. Either it works or it doesn't. And the shit works. Got to put an explicit on the podcast again. Oh, well. (laughs) But there are moments when we prefer grievance. We want to be outraged, and that's okay. But I do want you to consider Marietta's advice to herself. She said, I knew that hatred wasn't healthy, that it would obsess and consume me. It would be my undoing. So if you don't want a world that's full of murder and terror, root it out in your own heart and mind. Because if your mind is consumed with murder and terror, that's all you add to the world. When you allow only peace to enter your mind, then peace is all that you will extend to the world. And from that place of peace, you become a miracle worker. So the choice is ours. We can have our anger and our grievance, or we can have peace of mind. We can live in the ego's false world of retribution and hatred, or we can live in the real world of peace and love. And I know this can sound like a lot to accomplish. And it really is. Because there are a lot of emotions to sort through when you feel like you've been wronged by someone. Or you see all those wrongs out in the world. But I'd like to give you a practice to ease your way into a forgiving mindset. First of all, let's just forget about the word forgiveness because that can be triggering. Okay? So let's not even use that. Let's talk instead about the practice of loving kindness. Because it really is the same thing, you just put down all the baggage. So if you're willing to do this practice, it will help you use your body as a signal for when your heart is open and when it is closed. So when our hearts are open, we're more likely to experience that F word we've been using. (laughs) When our heart is closed, we're more likely to use the other F word. Tell people to F off. So the practice is this. Let's breathe deeply. And I want you to get comfortable. As comfortable as you can. Take a deep breath. And I want you to bring to mind someone that you truly love. Someone who is very dear to you. It can be another human being. It can be an animal, pet. Whatever. What just opens you up? Your heart is wide open because you love this person, this animal, so much. Think of all the qualities about them that you love. Fill your heart and your mind with love for them. And say in your mind, may you be happy and safe. May you be healthy in body, spirit, and mind. May your heart know peace. May you be happy and safe. 
May you be healthy in body, spirit, and mind. May your heart know peace. And as you say those things, imagining that you're saying them to this person, this entity that you love so much in this world, I want you to take a moment and really feel what your body feels like. You may be smiling, your heart rate going down. You're so wrapped in your feelings of love for this other person that any pain you felt before, you don't even notice it. Your body may be humming slightly from the inside out. You're so excited. You're so open, filled with love. This is what happens when you're an open channel for love. All the love that flows through you is extending outward to this person, to this animal. It's filling your body with really good vibrations, right? It feels heavenly. You want to feel this way all the time. Now, in this next moment, I would like you to bring to mind someone you hate. Now tell me how your heart feels. Tell me how your body feels. Did you tense up? Hmm. That person. <laughs> Not that person. You're thinking about all the terrible things that person's done. He's probably planning to do. You're judging them. You're criticizing them. Oh, now you're tense. <laughs> you know what you've just created? Hell. <laughs> and you put yourself right there, like that. Blink of an eye. Oh, we were cruising along. Oh, I love that person. I love that person. Oh, I hate that person. Boom. Closed. Which world do you want to live in? You were in the real world for a minute. Peace of mind, love, joy. Yeah, back in hell. That person, no. Nope. It's easy to love those we love. It's easy to stay open when they're on our mind. So I want to give you a way to ease yourself into not closing so quickly. All right? So if you can't keep your heart open to somebody you hate, find somebody nearby. Think about somebody who loves that person. Because there is someone. You might hate them. But there's somebody who loves them. I remember when Jerry Falwell died all those years ago. And I had all my friends texting me and rejoicing. Oh, you ding dong, you know, the, he's dead, you know. And I had to stop myself from celebrating because somebody lost a dad. Somebody lost a grandfather. Somebody lost a close friend. He was still a human being. Was I glad he wasn't doing what he did in the world anymore? Sure. <laughs> sure. But I had to find a place of compassion even for him. To dehumanize anyone. Anyone. 
is to close our hearts. And we can't do that. So choose somebody nearby. So there's somebody that you hate. Do they have children? Think about their children. Send them love. Do they have a dog? Think about their dog. Send their dog love. (laughs) Send love as close to them as you can get. As you can honestly, genuinely feel for them. Until eventually. Test it out. Now think about them. Oh, closed again. Okay. Got to pick somebody else. <laughs> let's, let's love their mailman. You know, <laughs> let's, <laughs> right? You know, let's, let's love the person at the checkout line who checks them out. I mean, just get close. Get as close as you can to sending loving kindness. This is the act of forgiveness. This is how you get into it. You work your way in. It's not easy, and the ego is going to try to talk you out of it over and over again. That's why noticing how our bodies feel, whether we're in that heavenly place of loving kindness or that hell of hatred, it's so important because anger and hatred literally makes us feel like hell. While love and peace make us feel heavenly. The Holy knows we can't do this all at once. That's why in chapter 13, of course, says, you will first dream of peace and then you will awaken to it. Your first exchange of what you made for what you want is the exchange of nightmares for the happy dreams of love. Love waits on welcome, it says, not time. You can do this at any time. And the real world is but your welcome of what always was. Therefore, the call of joy is in it and your glad response is your awakening to what you have not lost. I can't watch murder shows anymore. I don't want to live in that world. Do murders still happen? Yeah, we've seen it. We've Just look at the past month. It's been horrific. But this is why we do our inner work. If we can rid ourselves of the murderer within, then we bring less murderous energy into the world. All minds are joined. There's only one of us here. So as we heal our own hellish thoughts, there is less hell to be extended out into the world. First we dream of peace. Then we awaken to it. So the question becomes, what world are you dreaming of? Are you dreaming of a hellish nightmare world of grievance? Or are you dreaming of that heavenly world where everyone can achieve peace of mind? You can't have both of them. You've got to pick. So I invite you in this moment and in every moment to remember this practice, this practice of loving kindness and choose a better way. When you're feeling closed, choose again. Just choose again. Realize it. You can feel it in your body. When you tense up, relax. Choose again. Give up your grievances. Step into a world where peace and loving kindness invite you into a heaven that makes us all say, Oh, yeah. Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. 
Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week. And until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, oh yeah. Yeah.